God of love who has brought us again to this glad season, grant that a spirit of loving acceptance may be born anew in our hearts this day, and that we may joyfully welcome the reign of peace in our lives and in our world. Open our ears that we may hear again the angelic chorus of old. Open our lips that we too may sing with uplifted hearts, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward everyone. Dear friends gathered near and far, let us begin our worship by singing wherever you are, O come all ye faithful. candles this Christmas, candles of joy despite all the sadness, candles of hope where despair keeps watch, candles of courage for fears ever-present, candles of peace for tempest-tossed days, candles of grace to ease heavy burdens, candles of love to inspire all my living, candles that will burn all year long.
A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born before us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.
We take time for giving, recognizing generosity as a spiritual value. Today's collection will be given to The Neighbor's Place. The Neighbor's Place is a homegrown community center providing a hand up to residents of Marathon County and the surrounding communities. They are providing much-needed services, including a food bank, during this challenging time. You can give online under the tab, contact tab at uuwasa.org. We encourage you to give generously as you are able. Reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinus was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. We now invite you to join us in singing, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. Oh 
If you are home now at 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve listening to this service rather than doing something or anything else, let me thank and congratulate you for your fortitude. I hope this service of music and word, prayer, and sacrament finds you on the eve of Christmas full of hope and love and anticipation. I tend to think Christmas Eve is more Christmas than Christmas Day itself as it's filled with all the expectation and anticipation. This Christmas will be bittersweet for many, I expect. A lot of people have shared, and I have read in countless newspapers, that a lot of us won't be traveling or receiving travelers this year. The ongoing pandemic that has sickened and killed millions will delay the hugs and kisses and laughter for another year. Many seats around dining room tables will be empty and some permanently. On this bittersweet Christmas Eve, I invite you, whether you're alone or sitting with your kids and spouse, to let your hearts overflow with guests near and far. Invite the memory and presence of all the people you love and who love you to join in this sacred tradition together. Let them gather at your soul's hearth. Let them partake of your joy's harvest and let us worship together now. Christmas returns as it always does, with the assurance that life is good. But the truth about Christmas is that it's always ready, waiting to be born. Whether or not Christmas is born is up to us. The story begins more than 2,000 years ago in a stable where the child Jesus, whose scripture tells us, is Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a Hebrew word that means God among us. But who is this God among us? On the one hand, this God is much like the gods of other religions. The prophet Isaiah says God is the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Judaism calls this God Yahweh. Islam calls him Allah. Buddhism and Hinduism have names like Brahman or the Void or the One. What all these gods share is transcendence. Most everything about them is high and lofty, to use Isaiah's phrase. All of this is to say God is beyond humankind's knowing. In the Bible, when God's encountered, it's always on God's terms. God isn't summoned like when you call someone in from the other room. Take, for instance, the burning bush. That's God's doing. When Moses gets close to God, he has to bury his face in the rocks Job encounters God who comes in the form of terrible winds. And so Job just sits there in stunned silence as God recites a poem about the cosmos, about stars and sea creatures and harvests. Maybe some of you believe in God already, and maybe, maybe some of you have believed for as long as you can remember, and maybe some of you have never doubted or questioned. Maybe you don't believe in God. Whether or not you believe in Emmanuel is a decision that's yours and yours alone. I tend to think that people who believe too easily, people who say they have no doubts, diminish God's mystery. I also think that people who deny God entirely betray the limits of human knowledge and rationality. And it's for those reasons that I think it's the mystics who are as good as any when it comes to thinking about God. The mystics aren't gullible or dismissive. 
Rather, they remain open to mystery's possibility. What the mystics try to teach is that most religions point to something beyond anyone's knowing. They also teach that any religion worth having comes with doubts. What a mystic might ask you is something like this. What do you call that thing that happens when you're down on your luck and your back's against the wall and so you look heavenward when someone who has the power to make you feel safe and heard and seen taps you on the shoulder? What do you call that? What do you call that thing when you say a prayer in the seconds before you pick up the phone in the middle of the night when your kid's off at college and you're waiting to get the results of their COVID test? Who was it you were thanking when you cradled your child in your arms for the first time or your grandchild? Let's continue this mystical thought experiment. Like haven't any of you ever pulled off the road for a reason you can't really say and somehow you find yourself strolling aimlessly through Marathon Park as kids yell and adults while away the time on their phones or dozing on park benches when all of a sudden the sun cuts through the pine trees and in an instant all those running, screaming kids and all those people are cast in a light so radiant you feel that catch in your throat and your eyes fill up with tears and every blade of grass and every fleck of dust and every squeal down the slide and every contour of everyone's head is bathed in a light and a warmth so perfect you think heaven might just be real after all. But then you turn around to see if anyone else is seeing what you're seeing, but the only thing behind you is a UPS driver finishing a cigarette and a 32-ounce soda from McDonald's. And so you just nod your head and awkwardly walk off trying to figure out what the heck just happened. That, my friends, is what mystics call God. But what's different about the God Emmanuel, the mystics tell us, is that this God lived among us just like those kids and those parents and that UPS driver smoking in the park. This God came into the world, our world, the one filled with disease and war and infidelity and death. God among us is what Emmanuel means. And all the characters in the story we heard in the Gospel of Luke are real. Caesar Augustus was real. King Herod was real. Jesus Christ was real. And even if you doubt the contents of the story, there is no denying that every single year when this kid's birthday rolls around, most of the world stops to acknowledge it in some way or another. Commerce stops. Mails stop. Schools stop. Wall Street stops. Battlefields stop. And the government stops. But the story of this child's life teaches that the miracle of God's power isn't that God can move mountains or part seas. God's power is that he can make much of very little, and that's what's happening on Christmas. And so let's journey into this story just a little bit deeper. Imagine in your mind's eye a down-and-out woman and her clueless husband riding into a foreign city on a donkey probably because her husband Joseph was too cheap to rent a horse or a camel. And they're traveling, if you remember, not for pleasure, but because the government told them to, and when the government says jump, most people jump. 
And as they're making their way, the tiny little cannonball in Mary's pregnant belly starts kicking and moving in a way that only mothers will ever know. And so Mary tells Joseph to pull the donkey off the highway so they can check into a hospital or a hotel, but everything is booked. And so Joseph goes door to door like any panicked husband would and starts asking people in a language he hardly speaks if he and his wife can use their barn when finally the innkeeper says yes. And so there's pregnant Mary and freaked out Joseph sitting down next to a dog with stinky breath, but nevertheless big brown eyes. The cows in the barn are shifting their weight side to side, and the donkey they rode in on smells like a truck stop bathroom. And then the wind picks up and drafts through the wood panels, and Mary starts to yell things that cannot be repeated from a pulpit. Her husband, Joseph, holds her hand and looks on helpless and dumb like millions of fathers have before and since when finally silence, and then screams. The child is born. Jesus, the story tells us, Emmanuel, God among us, born in a barn. This is probably the most uncool God ever. He can't throw lightning bolts and surf clouds like Zeus. He's not the destroyer of the universe like Shiva. He's a crying, helpless baby. Does that sound familiar? If it doesn't, it should. Just look in the mirror if it doesn't. You were once one of those two. Maybe the setting of your birth was a bit more sterilized. Maybe your parents drove a Chrysler to the hospital, but I bet the rest is pretty darn close. This God was just like us. He needed love to grow. He needed to be cared for, to be worried about. He made his parents have sleepless nights just like we did ours. And just like the child Emmanuel, tonight at Aspira's hospital, another child will be born. A child will be born in that hospital where anxious women and men are becoming mothers and fathers and where other people are sick and dying. A child will be born as doctors and nurses and phone operators and room cleaners and baristas are busily going about their business. A child will be born as the homeless check into shelters as we tuck ourselves into bed missing the people we won't be hugging in the morning, the people whose kisses we won't feel until summer. A child will be born as our own kids pretend to sleep in their rooms, waiting for the slightest crack of daylight to give them the permission they need to run down the steps just like you used to. And all the while, back in that maternity ward at Aspirus, that child who shortly after being born cried is now wrapped in swaddling clothes and cradled in her mother's arm as her father looks on and does the math. He says, one plus one plus one, it equals three. But then he's looking at this child and his mother, his wife, and he's wondering if maybe somehow one plus one plus one can equal a million sometimes, because in that instant he's just learned what priceless truly means. His heart is already mortgaged, and she hasn't even asked to borrow the Chrysler yet. Maybe, just Maybe, he's thinking, this child will come to oppose the forces of evil and fear. 
Maybe this child will show someone or anyone just how holy human flesh truly is. To diminish the life and story of Jesus is to diminish the lives of the millions of people who have been changed by his life. If you need reminding of what that mystery and miracle of Jesus' life can do, take just a few minutes and play Handel's Messiah before you go to bed. Play anything Bach ever wrote. Read the poetry of Maya Angelou. Let Martin Luther King tell you about his dream. And if you need a grittier reminder of the power of this story, when you wake up tomorrow morning, instead of eating food cooked in your kitchen, why don't you belly up to a table in a soup kitchen and eat a meal cooked and served by someone who's there because they read a story about a child named Emmanuel? That, my dear friends, is what Christmas is all about. What keeps the hope of Christmas alive, what keeps Christmas coming year after year in a world famous for crushing hope is that God might just be born again in us. In the words of Maya Angelou, it is on Christmas, at this holy instant, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ into the great religions of the world. We jubilate the precious advent of trust. We shout with glorious tongues at the coming of hope. All the earth's tribes loosen their voices to celebrate the promise of peace. And we, angels and mortals, believers and non-believers, look heavenward and speak the word aloud, peace. We look at our world and speak the world aloud, peace. We look at each other, then into ourselves, and we say without shyness or apology or hesitation, peace, my brother, peace, my sister, peace, my soul. And with the peace of Christmas in our hearts, let us sing wherever you are. Angels, we have heard on high.
Let us pray. Bright seed of new beginnings, you fill the earth with energy and light. Fire and hail, snow and frost and stormy wind are in your hands as welcome light begins to beckon from the southern sky. We give thanks for bright stars, for moonlit nights, for a sparkle of sunshine through rain and snow fog windows. We give thanks for those who see your face in the wide-mouthed smile of a newborn child and the wizened grin of an old woman wheeling her cart along the street and the laughter and the tears that bind us one to another. Most of all, we are grateful for a life that calls us into new life. May we be dazzled by the mystery of life's abundant generosity. May we rest in gratitude and let the season of life stir anew our commitment to generosity and hospitality and forgiveness that we might be people of hope and healing in the neighborhoods of our lives. So may it be now and forever. Amen. And let all the people sing joy to the world. God who has brought us again to the glad season when we believers and non-believers remember the birth of Jesus Christ. Let us look heavenward this hour and hope that love's spirit may be born anew in us. Open our ears that we may hear the angel songs. Open our lips that we may sing with hearts uplifted glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, dear brothers. Peace, dear sisters. Peace, dear souls, and goodwill toward all. Amen, and Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. 